the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Today is our communion Sunday. We are all coming together um, because of Jesus. There's forgiveness of sins. Anybody else thankful for forgiveness of sins this morning for, from Jesus, right? That we have healing and that we can come together in unity, communion, that we can come together in union about Jesus and about what he's done for all of us. And so today we have uh, Pastor Julie Sandine and Dan Sandine that are going to be coming up. They're going to be sharing um, in this service. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dan Sandine in the house. Hello. Uh, obviously, uh, my name is Dan, and uh, hopefully I can bring a unique experience for you about the bread, broken body. Um, just a little background. I was a lineman for AT&T, so I'm going to bring some of that experience into the setting of the cross. Um, but what I would like you to do is empty your hands, close your eyes, and imagine with me. This is all leading up to the cross and then the cross. We talk about God's broken body, but that was from the top of his head all the way down to his feet. First, he had a crown of thorns jammed on his head, indigenous to Israel. They were one, or they were two to three inches long, and they were jammed on his head. So we have the crown of Jesus' body being broken. He was also led, a, led into a room when he was on trial where the Roman soldiers physically punched him hit him with a club, blindfolded him, pulled his beard out. I don't know if you've ever had a baby pull your hair, but try to have a grown man pull your hair out. They pulled clumps of hair out of his beard. Then they tried to destroy his spirit by mocking him, by telling him, who punched you? Who hit you? He then gets to go back out, and Pilate, trying not to crucify him, says, I'll tell you what, Roman penalty is 30 lashes. If you can survive 30 lashes of a cat and nine tail that wraps across your whole body, that has lead tips, pottery, glass, and steel woven into it. So they whipped him 40 times. That's 360 lashes across his whole body. And those whips were built to circle your body. So when the, the person that whipped you pulled it back, it would tear flesh and muscle from your body. 
Then Pilate says, look, we don't want to, we don't want to hang him, really. He hasn't really done anything. And the crowd frees Barabbas, and he then gets to go to the cross. Now, when he gets up to the hill, I know I have seen pictures since I was a little kid where the cross is really smooth and it's nice and all of that kind of stuff. I want you to picture a railroad tie that's been put in the ground and then taken out after about 10 to 20 years worth of service, how it's all splintered and tore up. Just picture that as the cross. It's not a smooth cross. His body doesn't look, as we've seen paintings, very not harmed. He was tore up. They put that cross on the ground, and us at the phone company, we have like steel lags that are about this long that go into poles that hold up the guard arms that you see holding up power and holding up all this stuff. Well, can you imagine having that pounded into you, both on your feet and on your hands? And let me tell you, back in those days, the Romans thought your hand went from your fingertips to your elbow. That was your hand. So they pounded those in. And by the way, the Roman cross was pretty much meant for murderers and people who rebelled against the Romans. So he's laying there on the cross. They still have to put the cross up in the air. Well, my experience with the phone company, you've seen those phone company trucks out in the streets putting those poles in kind of nice and neat and all that kind of stuff. That is not how you do it in a property line, and they didn't have nice and neat trucks to pick up the pole, you know, pick up the cross and jam it into the ground. So as a lineman, we had to bring the pole to the backyard. So that took many of us. We had to get certain things ready on the pole, which they nailed the cross beam to the pole and nailed Jesus to the pole. We have what they call pike poles. They're about 13 feet long, and they have a little steel hook on them so that we can jab it into the pole. We lift it up a certain height, and then we can use those poles to put it up into the, the air. Now, as a lineman, I had to dig a hole by hand five feet deep. So, that was the minimum height. That's the minimum height that a pole is in the ground. So when you see those poles that are way up high, uh, 30 feet is the minimum is five feet. And then it goes up six inches every so many, every five feet it goes up, goes six more inches into the ground. So while putting the pole up, we have to jam it against the side of the hole. So as, as the pole goes up, it then falls 
into the hole with a great thud. The ground shakes when that happens. And we're all happily that it went into the hole because if it didn't, it would crash somebody's down or whatever. But in that particular case, it, it goes up and it hangs there. Now, can you imagine railroad ties totally broken up, his body totally broken up, how many slivers of wood went into that? So we're talking about a really badly broken body. And it is said that if his mom didn't know that he was in the center cross, he was unrecognizable as a human being. They offered that sponge to him with the alcohol in it to, to ease the pain, but he didn't, he didn't accept that. I wanna, I wanna quote two scriptures, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Our, and Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but that gift of God. Jesus had to, Jesus obeyed his father to the cross. He knew what suffering he was gonna do and how badly his body was gonna be broken. Just to give you an idea, in your heads, if you commit five sins a day, whether you know it or not, 365 days a year, then multiply it by an average lifespan of 70 years. That's about 75,000 sins you will, you will do in your lifetime at a minimum. Now multiply that. We have about 8 billion people here on earth now. But how about everybody that's lived since then or at the beginning of time? That's how many sins he had piled on top of him. That's what he took. And after he gave up his spirit, a Roman soldier jabbed him in his side. And when he took the, the spear out, water and blood, his heart broken in love for us. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's a little hard to follow, huh? <laughs> I wanted to share on the blood. <laughs> um, many of you may not know, but I'm Jewish. And um, I wasn't raised in a traditional Jewish home that followed Jewish faith and, and uh, tradition. But as an adult, I've spent a lot of time uh, reading and participating in a lot of Jewish culture, um, especially for the High Holy Days. And uh, so Passover's coming up. And, and this, the calendar this year worked out that Passover starts the day before Easter this year. 
and which I think is a great timing. <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way. But um, Dan and I will be celebrating Passover, uh, Passover Seder with some of my uh, family who does follow Jewish faith and Jewish tradition this year. The Passover celebrates, and, and stick with me here because it doesn't sound like it's going anywhere, but <laughs> the Passover celebrates uh, the children of Israel and their exodus from um, Egypt. And in Exodus 12, it tells a story of God instructing Moses and Aaron in great detail on how to prepare for the feast with the meat and the unleavened bread and what to wear and how their home should be prepared for a full week leading up to Passover. But what stands out to me the most um, in that story is that, um, hang on just a second, I lost my notes here. What stands out to me the most is the instructions that God gave to them about how to put the blood of a lamb over their door frames and down the sides. God gives so much detailed instruction even on how to kill the lamb and drain the blood. It's kind of gross, actually. But if you read in Exodus 12, um, so each person who had the blood of a lamb over their doorpost and down their frames, that God, it was a sign to God that he would pass over them and he wouldn't, he wouldn't enter their houses or let the, the death angel enter their house and kill their firstborn. That would only happen for the Egyptians. And so he would spare that family by killing their first son. That speaks to me about how much power is in the blood of a lamb. And so why is blood so important to us, right? Symbolically, and why is it it's so much throughout the Bible, if you, if you spend time studying that? But symbolically, the blood represents life. And isn't that true today in the physical for us, right? We... We, our blood gives us oxygen and nutrients throughout our whole body. And really, simply put, we couldn't live without blood. Without blood, we have no life, either physically or spiritually. Jesus was also called the Lamb of God. He became flesh and blood, even as Dan described um, here on earth. And the fact that he chose to sacrifice his love, his blood, his breath so that we can have new life is one, for me personally, is one of the most humbling acts of love that I can think of. I just, there's nothing else that compares. But what's so powerful to me in that entire process, and when I take communion, that I like to remember, is what led up to the cross. So stick with me here. I'm a mom, I'm a grandma, and I wanna believe that if needed, if I needed to, that I would lay my life down for my kids or my grandkids. If I was ever put in a situation that would require me to do that, and given the world we live in today, sometimes I wonder if those situations might not really be, you know, a possibility sometime. But as much as I love them, I don't know that I really could willingly give, given time to think about it, ahead of time and to think and ponder on it that I would actually go through it with it. I just like living life to its fullest. Anybody who's around me knows that. So, but in fact, that's what Jesus did for us. Leading up to the cross, he had time to think about it, to pray to the Father about it, to tell his disciples about it, and then actually go through with it. He knew what he was going, what was going to happen, and he even begged the Father 
to let that pass from him if it wasn't his will. And the part that really truly blows me away is that when he did it, he gave thanks for doing it. And I want to read 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along. So this is Jesus speaking with his disciples on the Last Supper. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he gave thanks to God for it. He was breaking his body, and he knew it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, and an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. He gave thanks for it, his body. He knew in order for us to have a right relationship with God, a new covenant, that he had to be the blood sacrifice. We needed, we needed help to end our separation from God because of our sin, like Dan spoke of. And that is what Jesus' blood being shed on the cross did for you and for me. There is power in the blood of the lamb. That blood gives me new life, and I've been transformed by that blood. The blood of Jesus gives us all new life, gives us healing, forgiveness, and salvation. And I personally am forever grateful for his sacrifice. It assures me that once I do leave this earth, that I'll be joined with Jesus and the Father in eternity. But until that time comes, I will gladly and joyfully live my life in a way that's honoring to Jesus, who gave us his ultimate sacrifice. So let's, everybody, if you have your communion that you were given when you walked in, or you took when you walked in, if anybody doesn't have one, just raise your hand, and Betty Jean or Craig will bring it to you. So let's, let's take communion together. If you're at home and you have something, um, anything is great. Go and grab it really quick. And, uh, and, um, it's not, doesn't matter that it's a wafer and, and, uh, grape juice, anything will do. God, God will honor that. So let's partake of the bread together. Partake. That's such a old word, isn't it? Could we just all do it at the same time? <laughs> Hang on a second, I gotta set this down or I'm gonna spill grape juice all over me. And then go ahead and we'll take uh, the, the cup together. I'm just gonna close with a prayer. Lord, we are so grateful for your son, Jesus, that came in the flesh here on earth to be that lamb that in the Old Testament, it was, it was an animal. But Lord, in order to put us in right relationship with you, you sent your son here on earth. Lord, we are forever grateful for your plan of salvation. 
Jesus, we are forever grateful that you willingly and with thanks sacrificed your body on that cross, that you gave up your life-giving blood for us. Lord, as we remember, Jesus, as we remember you today, we honor what you did for us, Lord. And God, I ask that you would help us to live our lives in a way that are pleasing and honorable to you. And God, I ask that your precious blood that you sacrificed for us, Lord, that it would, it would transform us. It would breathe new life into us every day. And Lord, we just say that we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.